Hey, have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a conversation about geek topics, pop culture topics, hot topics, or different things like that? You ever thought about what it would be like to have a group of people you could talk to about these things and engage? Well, guess what? Now you have a chance to do that. Thank you for joining us on this trip, and welcome to Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. I hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another fun-filled episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. Today, I am not alone. I get the awesome opportunity to interview an awesome creator. Uh, I was in my favorite comic book store, Space Space Cadets Collection Collection in Houston, Texas, and uh, at a convention there. And I had a moment, I was at the art table, I was at the artist alley tables, and I got a minute to get up. And as I was getting up, I saw this really cool book, you know, because uh, me and some friends of mine were literally just talking about what would it be like to do a story where, like, the serial mascots <laughs> got together and were like, there's one of them got murdered, and, like, the other serial mascots had to, like, come together to try to figure out who murdered this one mascot. But, like, of course, we couldn't use the real people because, of course, I don't want to be sued. Right, right. And we're doing all this different stuff. And so the next thing I know, I saw a body mask. I was like, hold up. Somebody's already kind of done what I'm thinking about, except <laughs> it's more like a superhero team. <laughs> and then I'm like, should I do what I'm going to do? Because then I feel like I'm ripping off of this, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyway, so I picked up the first two issues. And then I never was, I never just, it, you know how sometimes just things just slip your mind. And then I saw the Kickstarter launch party you, video you, on YouTube. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's that book I have, the first two issues of, but I need the last one. He's doing more? I got to get that, too, you know? And so <laughs> it kind of became that story. I mean, it's a huge, big old 100-page book. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's it looks pretty awesome. I've been a real good fan of Alter- Alternative Press for a while. I have with me Keith Gleason. Keith Gleason is the creator of The Mighty Mascots. Keith, say hello to the wonderful people. Yeah, hey. Hello, everybody, and thank you, Will, for having me on the show. Not really a problem appreciate at all. it. Not a problem <laughs> at all, man. Uh, so first things first, as we always do whenever we come to interviews, uh, okay. the first thing I always ask is for people's origin stories. I know, you know, not everybody has the origin story that they were acrobat who was bound by some rich dude after their parents <laughs> got killed, and he became a sidekick who eventually became Nightwing. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and, and not everybody has the story where you know, oh, this guy was in jail and he was experimented on, and he becomes Luke Cage. Yeah, but we all have origin stories, so I'd uh, <laughs> like for you to share yours at this time. Yeah, sure. Um, I uh came into comics, um, kind of well, not in a weird way, but like I when I was a little kid, you know, growing up, um, the, I I you know, I, w- I wanted to be a cartoonist. Like I wanted to draw comic strips, like, um, you know, like Peanuts and Garfield and like that kind of stuff when I was growing up. That's all I used to draw. I remember I even have drawings going back to like the first and second grade. Yeah. Um, and that's what I wanted to be growing up. And I knew even at a young age, I wanted to do something with that. And as I got older, um, I still pursued it a lot. Um, but I, you know, the reality of becoming like a newspaper comic strip artist is just, it's, it's very, you know, it's even worse than trying to get into comic books, I think, because yeah, I can see that. 
Yeah, it's very hard. And, and the plus papers are dying and like, um, you know, like there's syndicates that run like comic strips, but they only, they only take one a year, if that, you know, right. so it's like, it's really tough to get in. So um, as I got older in junior high, I kind of discovered comic books. Like I, I, um, I picked up like Hulk and Spider-Man and, um, and I really got into like Mar the Marvel and DC universes, you know, wanted to learn about every different character right, and right. all that fun stuff, you know. And um, I even, you know, I went to art school and everything. And then the other, the one thing I came to a realization of is my art, my artwork is very cartoony. And yeah. it's, it's perfect for comic strips, but not so much for comic books, you know, like when you're trying to draw like a Jim Lee, like realistic superhero kind of thing, you know? Right. Yeah. And I just was not good at that. So um, I kind of became more on the writer side of things. Um, you know, I always like did, you know, dabbled with writing a little bit, you know, but I became more into it. And that's sort of where my comic origin started back in like 2000 early 2000 I started writing scripts and producing my own comics mm -hmm. and um yeah I just kept honing my skills making more comics and you know just kind of building up I my first comic series was called uh, Hero Envy and it was based off of um at the time I was also um writing scripts and filming like webisodes with my friends and we we filmed this um comedy on the internet called hero envy we did like about i don't know about like 30 episodes of it and my first comic book was taking that and turning that into a comic book series like kind of you know making an all-encompassing universe for all those characters you know um it was kind of like uh, big bang theory before big bang theory was a thing okay so it was like a bunch of geeks that lived together in an apartment and you know, it was a little more R-rated too. A lot of swearing and cuss words. And, you know, Definitely <laughs> not, not on CBS TV, but yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> and then, um, and then after Hero Envy, I did a, I started doing my comic strips again. So I used to, I was collecting those in comic book form. It was a series called Swamp Tales, and and then I started doing some other series. Like I have another one called Kid Switch, um, and then another one called Reckless Chronicles. And Reckless Chronicles is where I first started doing the Mighty Mascots. Because um, Reckless, Reckless Chronicles was my, um, was my anthology book where I, where I could do a couple different ideas. Uh -huh. um, so, but Mighty Mascots kept standing out to me as I was, uh, you know, as I was creating it and building that little universe. So um, I started pitching it around to small you know, small press companies like Action Lab. And, you know, um, I even I have even sent it the image and Dark Horse and all that. And I never heard back anything. But then I pitched it to Alterna and Peter, Peter loved it. I mean, we had to do, I had to do some changes. Yeah. You know, there was some stuff he didn't like about it. Um, and the number one that you have is all the changes and all the fixes and, um, yeah, I really, his feedback, I think, really helped make the book what it is, which is great, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the inspiration for it is funny. It was from a t-shirt. Um, 
my wife bought me this uh, t-shirt of the, and it had um, all the cereal mascots hanging out on it. And it just said breakfast club on it. And ah. yeah, I was like, and I was brushing my teeth and you know, like we, we, when you you were saying you and your friends were talking about doing like something with cereal mascots in my head, I was thinking of it as a, like a reality show where they all lived in a house together, you know, <laughs> you know, and I figured it would be more of a comedy, you know, um, but the second I started thinking about um, the Captain Crunch guy as like, you know, a badass Batman pirate type, that was when it kind of clicked to me that it could be a superhero series. Okay. So yeah, and that's how I kind of started reimagining it, reimagining it from a comedy to what it is now. Huh. And um, but like you know, even when I was envisioning it, I um, it was a it's a nod to all the stuff I love, like growing up with Saturday morning cartoons, you know, eating that bowl of sugary cereal, and then also. Um, you know, just like the Silver Age comics that I grew up with, you know, like Spider-Man and Hulk and all that. When it was like the comics were a lot more simpler back then where they had, you know, they weren't like worried about writing for the trade or, you know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. They used to have long running story plots and, you know, things like that, which I loved, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that's what the whole book is. It's kind of a nod to that whole, that whole thing, you know? That's really cool. Is yeah, thanks. You see, kids, there was this time years ago when cartoons came on in the afternoons. And yeah. then on Saturday mornings, for some reason, yeah. <laughs> they decided that, you know what? Kids have nothing to do. They're not in school. We're just going to run a series of cartoons from like 6 o'clock in the morning to like noon. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, every network, because you only had three. You know, you had right. ABC, yep. NBC, and CBS. You didn't have yep. <laughs> you didn't have a cartoon network that just ran cartoons all day. Right. You know, and so Saturday morning was like this weird thing where you sat down as a kid and you learned scheduling real quick. Yeah. Like, okay, I want to watch Transformers, but then the Goldmines <laughs> come on at this time. Yeah. And I want to watch the Saturday morning, you know, Mr. T and friends. I want to watch that. <laughs> and, but then the Snorks come Dungeons on. And Dragons. Well, wait, yep. the Snorks and the Smurfs come on at the same time. Too. Which one am I going to watch? And then yeah, the right. old kids <laughs> get over here. And then, you know, if I really want to get crazy, I can go watch some Turbo Teen. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't a fever dream that somebody thought. Yeah. Let's get this a cartoon. Hey, here's this idea. We got this kid. He eats hot peppers and he transforms into a car. That's the pitch. <laughs> yeah. Somebody at ABC in the '80s was like, you know what? Run it, and they did for like a season. Oh, I know there was some wacky. Remember, remember when they had Rubik the Amazing Cube? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I remember Rubik and Amazing Cube. I remember the fact that almost all the characters from Happy Days had their own. Yeah, party. yeah. One point Gilligan's had, Planet. Remember Gilligan's Planet? Planet. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Gilligan's Planet. I remember that well. Uh, like I said, I mean, goodness, man. I remember Thunder the Barbarian, Blastar. Oh, my God. Yeah, all that stuff was great. The, I, um, it's funny. Like, um, did you ever have, did you have cartoons that used to run home from, run home from school to catch? Yeah, we all, yeah. He-Man, um, G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe, Robotech was Robotech, a huge one yeah. for me growing up. Um, he's G.I. Joe. Um, 
Yeah, there was so many wacky ones too on the, the Thundercats when they came on. Yeah, that was a good one. That one we always tried to catch. Which um, Spider Man, the sixties Spider Man was on a lot. Well, see, I was born in seventy three, so I didn't get the I caught that in syndication, but I do Yeah, they used to run it rerun it a lot. I do remember Spider Man and his amazing friends. Yeah, that one was great. That one was great. I actually found at a con years ago the old 80s Hulk cartoon that used to come on Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. that. Crazy thing where, like, it was the same stock animation footage for every transformation. So, like, (laughs) it it didn't matter where he was. The screen would go black. He transformed. (laughs) The eyes would go big. His eyes would go yellow. He would just bust out of his shoes and socks, and he was ready to go. Yeah. (laughs) I love that one. When I was a kid, though, it was great. Oh, yeah. A buddy of mine and I were watching uh, years ago in college. We were watching. He went to a video store in his hometown, and he got the whole entire like Masters of the Universe collection on VHS. Oh man! He brought it, <laughs> he brought it to college with him, so you can imagine like one big old section of his car is nothing but VHS tapes that he did. That's amazing. And, and so, <laughs> got in that day, like he came home from summer break. He came back from summer break, and so we got in, watched it. Like, we got done with classes first day, watched. And we're like, you know, this doesn't quite hold up as well when you're in your 20s as it does when you're in your 70s. Funny thing about He-Man, when you were a kid, did you, my, me and my brother, when we used to watch it, uh-huh. you remember when in the beginning when He-Man would run up and he would punch the, the screen? Did you ever pretend like He-Man actually hit hitting you? Hitting me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And me and my brother would like do somersaults. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would try to block it, you know, like I thought it was Batman. But I'm like, wait a minute, he break my arm, he's He-Man, he cried out loud. That was oh, it's so good. And I love, I, that's the kind of stuff I love, man. I just you know, sit there and talk for hours with people about it. There you know? was a show that came on in the late 80s, early 90s. Or late, I'd say late 80s, I wouldn't even go say early 90s, because this would have been before I graduated high school. Uh, Captain Power. Is that the, the 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 one that the environment stuff? Oh no, are you talking about Captain, the game master? No, 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 no. Okay. Oh, okay. That's Captain N. Captain N. Yeah. That's Captain N. Okay. Captain Power had a toy line, and it was a bunch of ships and stuff. You would have to buy the ships and stuff separately. You had a VHS that you put in and run the episodes. So they played the first several episodes on the TV for free, but then you had to go buy the VHS, oh. and so you had the ships. And they had the little triggers on them and everything. And you had to dodge. This is before, like, you know, laser tag got big, you know. I think I do remember that, and actually. You had that thing. You had to, like, respond back. You earned points. And then it tracked them. Unless your uh-huh. battery died. So, like, if your battery died, you were just, yeah, you were out. But <laughs> that, you know, if you got popped during the show, you know, they would shoot these little lasers that would interact. And then your little character would fly out of the jet. And that was. That's pretty cool. You know, I. So, I I'm aware of that. I don't think I ever watched it or had it. Um, I think, when did you say it came out? Like the early? Early 80s. It was late. I would say late 80s-ish era. Yeah, because it was before Gargles came out. Okay. Yeah, um, I think because so. um, I graduated high school in like 1990. So I was probably a little old for it at that point. Yeah, I, was, I don't remember it. I was a weird kid. I've been in the cartoons for. Oh, I still watch them. I still love them. <laughs> uh, it's funny, 
you know, you talk about stuff like that. You talk about this idea of the mighty mascots and how it's kind of this throwback to these, not only the old characters, but like uh, your old, you know, these older comics, the kind of Silver Age comic work. And I really appreciate that because, I, you know, it's, it's weird sometimes when you're talking to people about stuff and it's like, you know, you start talking about cartoons or Silver Age comic books and things like that. Like I, I was talking to somebody one day about the time that Aunt May uh, became the Herald of Galactus. They're like, what yeah, right, yeah. About? It was like, no, that happened. It was in a Marvel team up. She was babysitting Franklin Richards. Why, <laughs> is, why is Aunt May babysitting? I can't explain the logic behind the file. <laughs> All I know is wacky things that like Aunt that. May made a wheat cake that was so big that it sated Galactus's hunger and he <laughs> left Earth alone. That's all I need to know in life, okay? <laughs> If I pour too much into it, then I can't read another comic book. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's sort of what this is, too. It's like, it's such an absurd concept. But the thing, um, I've, I've said this in other interviews, too, is like, my approach to it is to write it sort of like the way the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics were written, where it's an absolutely absurd concept. But Eastman and Laird always made the Turtles serious like yeah. they took it seriously and um that's sort of what i'm doing with mascots where it's like you know this outrageous concept but they they they're, they're serious you know and it's like a real you know it was real stakes you know because there's danger and real super villains there so i'm trying to to do it like that but but it's also supposed to be fun not too crazy for you know, for kids, uh -huh. um, basically the way comics used to be written where you didn't have to worry about, you know, appealing to or, or keeping it away from kids or putting ratings on it or anything. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it definitely felt like an all ages book, which I enjoyed it because it was something if I wanted to hand it to a small young person, yeah, I could do that and not feel like, oh my gosh, I got to be careful because what if the Punisher showed up in this issue? You know? Yeah, right. Like, like I, I want to have fisticuffs and everything and, and slugfest, but I don't want like, you know, like people's heads getting knocked off or, you know, mm -hmm. things like that, you know? And if I do like have somebody get killed or anything, I want it very, it's got to be very PG and tasteful, you know, almost like Star Wars when someone gets shot with a laser, you don't even, you don't really see it. They just kind of fall. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Unless you're Mace Windu killing Django Fett, because, you know, if you kill Django Fett, yeah, right. uh, <laughs> you know, he just lops his head off. It's just, you know. Or even that, like they, they, you know, there was no blood or anything. Right. Just sort of like, yeah. yeah. And, I think, didn't they do it in, like, silhouette a little bit, too, right? Well, or, like, he was in the middle, like, you see him, they're doing the thing, and, like, Mace Windu is got kind of deflecting the lasers, and then you see him, and he just comes up kind of does this weird, crazy spin thing, and, like, whoa. Oh, that's right, yeah. The head fall, and then it, yeah. it cuts to something else. So it's just, like, it was done, it was quick, it was over. And yeah. The, you know, who would eventually become Boba Fett kind of sitting there looking out, like, what just happened? Right, right, right. <laughs> My dad. Yeah, no, that's sort of how I want to, if I do violence where it's like going to be somebody killed, it would be tasteful like that, you know? So, yeah. but I also don't want to be like, um, so where I don't, I don't want to like um, dumb it down, I guess. Right, right. Know, like, so like my whole, like my whole approach is just look, is looking at the stuff we grew up with. I mean, 
you know, like you look at a Spider-Man comics from the 70s or 80s, people were shot, people, you know what I mean? People were killed in those books, mm -hmm. but they did it tastefully and it wasn't like um, gratuitous, you know? Right, right, right. So, yeah, so that's the kind of approach I'm doing with the series, you know? And um, the cool thing about it is there's so many different mascots. I mean, not, besides just serial mascots, there's so, every company has a mascot, you know? So, and so it's like, I feel like um, I'm, uh, as I progress with the series, it'll be cool to just build up like the whole universe and just have all their rogues gallery basically. And then also, um, you know, like I might have like, team, you know, like other good guys come into it and like just build basically my whole universe, you know? Okay. So I'm looking forward to that, you know? The mascot, the mighty mascot multiverse, if you will. Right, right. Or the mascot verse, I was saying. <laughs> hey, that would work. That, that'll yep. make itself. So, yep. uh, speaking of the Mighty, we've kind of talked around the Mighty Mascots a bit. So, I want you to just really go into it and just share with us kind of, you know, we, we kind of talked more about how you came up with it. So, tell us a little bit about the project. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, what it is, is a, it's a superhero book. Um, it's basically about eight living advertisements. They were brought to life by a 3D printing accident. Um, and they become like a superhero team. And um, they're mostly all serial mascots. There's one that's uh, sort of like the Kool-Aid man who's kind of different from them. And then there's also the human, um, their human uh, uh, leader, I guess, Manny Coleman, who's like a scientist. Um, so it's almost like um, kind of cut from like something like the, something weird like the Metal Men or or even Doom Patrol, where it's just kind of like a weird team. Uh -huh. They're all serial mascots, and they're all kind of loosely based on real serial mascots. Um, you know, the leader is uh, Honey Flakes, who's the, the pirate. And then we have three robots, uh, Wax, Smack, and Boom. Um, and then there's uh, Mondo Martian, who's like the intelligence on the team. Uh -huh. And then Sea Rat, who's uh, the mechanical parrot for uh, Honey Flakes. <laughs> and I you know it's just like, crazy. And then Boxer Bear, who's like the big brute of the team. I think that's yeah. my favorite character out of the team, just from a character design. Just Boxer Bear? Yeah, a, a lot of people guy. like him. He's a bear who has boxing gloves on, but then like his claws come through the boxing gloves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, this is He's got anger management issues. Yeah, definitely. He's kind of a Wolverine of the team, if you will. Yeah, yeah. He's like a cross between Wolverine and the Hulk, you know. <laughs> but, um, I like. I do like that character too. Um, I, I struggled with whether I should have him speak or not, and then I get ultimately decided no to just have him grunt and roar. I think it it works a lot better, you know, mm -hmm. if he's just more of a feral animal, you know. Um, but yeah, they, so the, the premise is they, they were brought to life in this laboratory and the laboratory itself is sort of the villain of the series or like the, 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 you know, the major overarching villain of the series. Mm. And, um, they basically create evil mascots, um, that, you know, for whatever reason, there's more, as the series will go, you'll see. Um, the reason why they're doing it and things like that, you know, stuff that I'm just going to build on and, you know, okay. 
and um yeah so like the first story arc um the the laboratory does a, a like a, a field test in a supermarket and the sprinkler system like uh, is filled with the 3d formula and it, it ends up bringing like the entire store to life basically mm -hmm. which you find out later in issue three sorry i didn't mean to spoil that for you oh, <laughs> but hey. basically all the okay here okay look, look, little, little little secrecy here not really a secret yeah i already <laughs> bought the book I'm gonna read oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So like, I've already, I've already, I've already gone in and Indiegogo like back before I talked to you. I think. Oh, okay, great. Like, That's awesome. We get the three. I've still got to work out if I can get the other three. Uh, so I'm trying to work it around to see. But if I can, I'm definitely. You know what? It. If I um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to jot down a note. If I and um, when I get ready to ship your order, I'll just throw a three in there for you. Oh, okay, well, thank you. Yeah, no, definitely. My my, thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is, so um, the first group of villains that um, they they fight um, is this creature called Muckmouth, and the Muck Muckmouth creates these um, things out of his saliva called uh, tartar creeps, and it's basically a villain that just keeps multiplying no matter, you know, how much, you know, cause Tartar just grows and gets bigger and yeah, bigger. Yeah, um, bad enough as it is because you've got a bad guy. You have to get through all his flunkies that he keeps creating. Yeah, and he just keeps making more, yeah. So um, in the end of the first issue too, they end up calling in like uh, a bunch of toothpaste and um, dental heroes but then it ends up backfiring and the, the dental heroes want to just clean everything. including Right. Them. Right. So it becomes that classic situation where they got to fight not only the villain, but now these new guys that they created too, you know? So it becomes like a whole kind of a, a, a whole uh, amount of chaos basically. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted the first three issues to feel like, cause it was their first mission. I also, I wanted them to, kind of be at a disadvantage like in over their head mm -hmm. and so that's what the first three issues are is them trying them going into battle but not really being ready for it right. so I wanted to kind of start with that kind of danger going on um and now I you, you mentioned the Indiegogo um I'm doing the next three issues after that and um this, those three issues are going to be them going up against a group of uh, video game villains that were based off of like, um, you know, like classic video game characters like Mario and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and this will expand more on um, the, the villain, the laboratory um, villains. And then also um, Honey Flakes is kind of going through a crisis in these three issues too, which I'm going to you know, throw people in on, you know. So I'm trying to do like um some of those classic kind of storylines that comics do, you know. Um where they and I'm gonna probably leave up more threads when it's over so I can keep going with mm -hmm. it, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a fun property and I just have a ton of ideas to keep it going, you know, and do new villains and bring back old villains, things like that, you know. So I uh, I definitely I'm having fun with it, you know. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Muckmouth, and I thought <laughs> of the character 
from the old school house rock uh, thing. That's another thing I love is old school house rock. Yeah, that's where I got it from. Was um, Bushmouth, I believe, was the name of that character. Yeah, and he was he was he always he sang a song about not brushing his teeth. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's where I got it from. That was like a deep cut, you know. But the reason I wanted to do that storyline is because I love because the the dental heroes. Did you ever see those Crest commercials that those guys are based off of? Mm -hmm. Jack Kirby did them. Yeah, Yeah. was. I wanted to do something with those guys because I thought those guys would be great as villains, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was that was the whole reason I did the whole dental thing in the first three parts, you well, know? <laughs> also, you look at the fact that you can sneak in there somewhere at the end of one of the books or something like that. You can just be like, okay, kids, see what happens when you don't brush your teeth? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I can almost sneak in the PSAs in there and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like the old G.I. Joe's at the end. Yeah, yeah, right. And now you know. Not a bad idea. (laughs) That might be fun to do, actually, down the road. (laughs) Just at the end of a a block of books, it'd just be like, hey, now we know what friendship looks like. Yeah. (laughs) And the the other thing that I thought was neat is I I wanted their human human ally to be a nod to... um, Saturday morning cartoon era so like I was always I, I wanted the Manny to be like you know like a, a former child star that grew up and became a scientist and I was always thinking I was like who was the one of the greatest like child stars and I kept going to like um you know um what am I blanking on it um, Gary Coleman Gary Coleman and and Emmanuel Lewis and I, I was like oh I'll just I'll just you know I'll do a mashup of those two, you know? And I always thought both of them were like the cutest kids, you know, back in the day and the most popular. So I was like, I got to do, I got to do like a nod to him, you know? And um, yeah, it just worked out good. He just, he, he kind of fits their whole weirdness, you know what I mean? So, you know, so I did, yeah, I just like, I love the characters. I hope to like with new excuse me, with new storylines, explore each character and get into their, you know, like do some character development with each of them, you know. It's hard when it's a team book and you want to kind of, you know, focus on different characters and, you know. So what you do there is you do one shots. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe, or have them pair off, you know. You could do that. Like go on a mission or something and they all break down into smaller pairs or something, you know. And it's a little easier to... uh to keep it going, you know? Yeah. I got the chance to interview Jim Zub a few weeks ago, and one of the things he oh, okay. did in Skull Kickers, which is a book I've loved. Well, oh, I've read that. Yeah, it's a great one. There were episodes where it would just be called, it would just be a, a full book. It would just be called Tales of the Pub, where you'd have like three or four little mini stories in a book. And okay. so every so many books, you get another book called Tales from the Hub, and it'd be like Tales from the Hub Part Two, and it'd be expanding on in some situations old stories, or sometimes it'd just be like the whole new thing, like you're talking about, you know, the pairing off. Well, you know, yeah. this character went with this character. You know, maybe maybe the bear goes home, and we get to see the bear in his natural. Yeah, life. like what he was doing before, and yeah, yeah, things like yeah, that. Things like that, and so you have that, so that way you're you're you know, you can even call it like I don't know, my you know what. Mighty Mascots commercials. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, there you go. Oh, you could do like <laughs> or like um, little mini commercial thing. Yeah, yeah. Or um, what was it? Yeah, like um, commercial breaks or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah that'd be cool. uh, you know, do that, and then that way you can flesh out those stories. And I feel like you're interrupting the story that you're already telling, but these are out in addition to. These right, stories. right. Well, I'm hoping, like, because uh, um, now the book is ongoing, but what that means is, like, it's not going to be monthly. Right. But it'll be um, any new issue I make will continue the numbering, which is awesome. Because um, Alterna was just doing, like, mini series, and that's it. Um, and the only reason they were doing that is so they could get around Diamond Comics, like weird rules for distribution and stuff. Yeah, it's been a weird year with Diamond. I'm telling yeah, you. really. I'm curious to see where they're going to be in six months, you know. Um, but now that he's not with Diamond anymore, he, he said to all the creators that we could, we could either continue on doing our miniseries or if we want, we could, re, you know, can keep the numbering. Yeah, and I was like, I jumped at that because I, I, I think it'd be cool to just keep building the book and, right, you know, get to issue fifty someday, you know, or have the milestones and things like that. Yeah, you know? definitely the double header issues, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe get into doing an annual and all that fun stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could do like the old school Marvel books. Remember, the, I think it was one of the celebration years. Where they had the pictures of all the different heroes on their books, so like you'd have yeah, this, this yeah around the side, and then you had yeah. like the big face or whoever. It's like it was a Spider-Man yep. book, you'd have like Spider-Man's face in the middle of it, all the Marvel characters. Yeah, then, I love that. You know, Doctor Doom. You know, you'd have Doctor Doom on the cover, and all the other Marvel characters are out yep. of Spider-Man or whoever. And so that could be an interesting thing too, because then you could go in and tell, you know, if you wanted to tell those stories, you could say, okay. This one is just about this mascot. This one is just about this one. This one is yeah, like mascot spotlights or something, you know. Kind of like Marvel used to do, and the the Marvel spotlights or the two in ones, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so could, definitely. Or you could even do something like the mascot universe book, where you do little small things on each character, and then you have the write up, and then you have like oh a- yeah, I've done something like that actually. I I um. I started making um, trading cards. Trading cards, right. But what I did instead to make it kind of fun is um, on the back, um, you know, the stats are there, but, but they're, they look like the nutritional. Um, you know, like when you look at a package and they have the nutritional stats, uh-huh. that's what it looks like. I based it right off of that. Oh, nice. Except instead of sugar or carbohydrates, it's like, you know, strength and, you know, <laughs> that kind okay. of stuff. And then I break it down into the percentages, you know, like, uh, oh. like a, I call it nutritional information. You know? <laughs> I love it. That's so cool. Yeah, I'll have to throw a couple of those in your order when you, when I'm getting ready to send out the Indiegogo. Okay. That's Check that cool. out. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so, um, now you mentioned at the beginning, you talked about your influence of like comic strips and things like that, as far as like peanuts and stuff like that. What, who are some artists? that really inspired you and encouraged you while you were in the process of working on your style and working on your art? Um, I mean, when I was younger, it was definitely Charles Schultz and Jim Davis. Um, you know, and then you discover the, the better comic strips like uh, Fireside and um, Calvin and Hobbes, um, which those guys became influences as well. 
Yeah, um, as far as comics go, I think, you know, much like all 90s kids, I think we were all influenced by Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld and all those guys. Um, as I got older, though, I, you know, when I was, you know, was into McFarlane and all that, um, I, you know, I couldn't, everyone used to always talk about Jack Kirby. And at the time, I couldn't see it. I, I was just like, I don't like this guy's work. It's not detailed enough. And, and it's blasphemy now for me to say that. But like, as I grew older and, and my artist eye got a little better, um, I started realizing how amazing Kirby is, you know, and just uh, the, the work ethic on that guy. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, he, um, I think I remember Stanley in an interview saying that he was an artist artist. Uh, because the man could go in and produce so much work in such a fast time that yeah. other artists really had to step up their game just to keep up with him. Yeah, it's nuts the amount of work that came out of that guy, and uh, you know, just the you know, you've heard this, you've ever heard the story about the the creation of the Silver Surfer. Like, uh, I believe I've heard it a few times, but why don't you go ahead and share? Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, like Stan Lee, you know, it's just. It's, had him write this fantastic four he wrote a fantastic four story and he had the whole thing about galactus worked out and then kirby just showed up and he had the silver surfer drawn in there and stan lee said who's that and, and kirby said well he figured you know he'd have this sentinel going around all the planets and i mean that, that and then and then stan lee took that and added all the dialogue and everything but just showed their magic together, you know, like I, there's a lot of people that like always like, you know, like Jack Kirby didn't get enough credit or, you know, Stan Lee got too much credit and this and that, but it's, you know, much like something like the Beatles or something. It's just like what the magic was them working together. You it know? was a collaboration. It was, it, it, it's like, you can't, I don't think you could have, the Marvel universe without, without, with one or the other, you know what I mean? I think yeah. the magic was them together, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I love Kirby a lot um, now. Like Kirby, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. I still like guys like, uh, I think Alex Ross is great. Um, you, know, um, you know, just any, a lot, I have a lot of respect for a lot of modern artists. Uh, you mentioned Rob Guillory. I think he has a great style. Um, uh, I mean, you name it. I, there's a lot that I really like, you know, yeah. Mike Allred, I think is great. Um, Jesus, so much. <laughs> I'm blanking right now, but <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Well, and, you know, you mentioned like Mike Allred and I think he's interesting because he has a lot more of that kind of fluey, bouncy, cartoony type style. He and does. And the thing I'm mean, interesting is, is that it doesn't matter what you see him doing. He, he's not going to go in and be like, oh, well, let me draw differently because I'm working on X-Force. Right, right, right. He's going to definitely take X-Force and go, okay, so I'm going to take it and put my, put my magic on it and do this. Yeah, yeah. I like, for some reason, I really like looking at his stuff, like the way he draws backgrounds and, you know, the characters are drawn very simple, but they're drawn well. Um, but, yeah, the backgrounds and his weird, like, um, the weird positions he put the characters in and stuff like why they're fighting and it's very unique, you know? Um, yeah. I like stuff like that where the style's kind of different and, and interesting, you know? 
Mm-hmm. There was a period of time in comics where it didn't matter who you were, unless you were like that top echelon of artists, there tended to be a lot of stuff that looked the same. And yeah. So you had yeah. people like Alex Ross who were going out there and fully painting all this beautiful stuff. Or yeah. You had Todd McFarlane that was just like, and now I'm going to use the blacks as my friend. And yeah. I'm gonna use the shadows, <laughs> and I'm going to paint in large swashes of black and red. And here's Spawn flying all over the place and chains going everywhere. And all this <laughs> yeah. other stuff. You know, you had people like Jim Lee who were just like, okay, me and Scott Williams are going to do some magical stuff. Yeah. People that you don't know. And then eventually, you know, he did stuff like Batman Hush and things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I like Jim Lee a lot. The only thing I, I always criticize him on is um, <laughs> it's like when, when he draws like normal people, it's like everybody's ripped to shreds. You know? Everybody. <laughs> like a guy walking on the streets, like, you know, like swole. You know? <laughs> like, I would almost love to see Jim Lee draw like the blob. Yeah, right. With the blob and normal. <laughs> And exactly. That works. Like, look, you're gonna do a backup story to X Men comic, and you're just doing the blob. You're not doing yeah, the right. show, no Scott <laughs> Summers, no, no Psylocke, no White Queen. Oh yeah, blob and normal people. Oh yeah, Go. he draws some good, like iconic characters. Though I love his Batman. Mm-hmm. I think his Superman's awesome too. Yes. Um, so whenever I see those images, I, I was like, oh wow, it's great, you know. So not, not to put him down, it's just that I, those are the funny things I noticed about his art, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a hard time just drawing somebody with no muscles. Yeah, <laughs> when you're a big dude, you know, too, it's kind of hard. Like, you notice that sometimes. It's like, okay, yeah. like, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm looking at a comic book and I see somebody who, like Skull Kickers, case in point, Skull Kickers, they're, you know, you got two guys there. One of them's a really kind of a big hoss of a dude, and the other guy's a dwarf. Yeah, right. But, like, there are plenty of portly people running around in this world. That's cool. I like that, though. Yeah, I, I like seeing that, you know? Different shapes. Different yeah, I got to I gotta read more of that. I, I know I read the first trade, and it, it's, it's there's, like, five or six of them, right? For I've the got series. the first three. Uh, okay. This is a solo issue. We're talking about uh, the Tavern Tales. I'm sorry I said it wrong. But, like, this is an homage to Watchmen. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, I like that. You know, but yeah, this is one of the tavern tales that they've got. I've got two of them out of, I think it's four. He's still oh, making the book or is it no, over? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's over with. But, okay. you know, he's doing, as a matter of fact, I think his next big project is he's doing uh, the Stranger Things D&D books. Oh, cool. He's working on, I think he's working on Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty D&D, and then he's doing the Stranger Things D&D. I saw that, I haven't read it yet, but I saw he was writing, um, Oh, no, that's not Jim Zub. It's Zeb Wells. I always get them too confused. Zeb well, Wells writing, is writing like writing. an Ant-Man book or something. Yeah, well, he's been writing a Conan book too, actually. Jim oh, Zub. is he? He's Conan. writing Conan now? Yeah. That's cool. Doing that, so that's really interesting. Because, again, it all feeds into they got that fantasy lore, you know. That yeah, yeah. The, they just love the, like, the fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> I feel a lot about how he... Um, he would play Dungeons and Dragons with his brother and how that really helped him, shaped him into what he became. So I think that's I gotcha. So I could see why he'd want to do Conan, you know, especially now that Marvel has the rights again. Yeah, definitely. So, so I noticed there's a lot of games in the background there. I see some board games that there's like a board game. Yeah, let me show you this one. This one's pretty fun. Okay.
Munch Crunch yeah. directed Batman <laughs> game. It's, uh, <laughs> how great is that? Oh my gosh, and that's the actual characters too. Yeah, I love too how they look um, very retro on the cover there too. Right, right. And the rare, rare to see all five of them. Exactly. You know, like you always see Conch, Count Chocula, Booberry, and Frankenberry, but you never see Fruit Fruit or Yummy Mummy. Yeah, which it's kind I, of a fun game too. I bet. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that one. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, those uh, those cereals growing up. <laughs> yeah, I think my favorite cereal growing up was probably either I, I love like honey, like it, 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 and I say that you know, uh, not as a kid, but like the Honey Crunch, you know, Honey, the where they had the cinnamon toast crunch type cereals and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had the they had the mascot wolf that was always trying to chase it down. And they had the cook that was going after him all the time. So yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. <laughs> those are stories. And then of course sugar, sugar, uh, honey, honey. Uh, it was super golden, super golden crisp. Sugar bear. Super, yeah, super golden crisp with sugar bear. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff too. And of course you had those stories. Those were storylines that I really kind of wished we had gotten like a full blown cartoon of because you always had Granny Goodness. It's like, oh, that old sugar bear. He's yeah, right. <laughs> and it's funny because Honey Smacks kind of tasted the same. They they could have combined that somehow. I think you yeah. know. If Kellogg's Quisp is my favorite. Before. You ever have Quisp? I have yeah. had Quisp a few times. Quisp is my favorite growing up. Mm -hmm. I, you know, they, they, they still sell it, but it's hard to get. Yeah. Um, uh, last year on Amazon, I bought two boxes for like 20 bucks. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I, I told my wife, she, she can't have any of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just ate both boxes. I, I a big on smile it. on my face. I loved every minute of it, man. <laughs> I love it. It's $10 a box, sir. Yeah, exactly. It's like a precious resource, you know? Right, <laughs> I remember uh, I'm a big wrestling fan, and so WWE okay. the New Day had the Bootyo cereal that they literally okay, like at FYEs. Well, then I looked at the price of it. I'm going, it's fifteen dollars for a box of cereal. I'm never gonna buy it. Why do I want this so bad? It's, it's all right. cereal, but they have the New Day on it though. Yeah, I remember. I'm a I'm a I'm an old school wrestling fan too. Like I I um. I love the 80s wrestling stuff. Um, do you remember, like, I put it on my Twitter maybe a month or two ago. Remember the the WWF uh, ice cream bars? Yeah. That was like that yes, and it had the cookie with the, with the, with the printed the image yeah. of uh, the wrestler. Those things were delicious. <laughs> yeah, well, they're bringing them back, actually. Are they really? Yeah, they're bringing them back. It's going to be, uh, I believe it's John Cena. Okay. Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, and Macho Man Randy Savage, because I guess they had to have one old school character. Yeah, classic guy. Yeah. The Macho Man. Yeah. You know, That's awesome. The only problem is I'm going to for those. <laughs> I'm going to get. Yeah. Problem is I'll get that one. I'll get the Macho Man ones, and I won't want to eat it because I'll just imagine <laughs> him sitting there telling me, "Ooh, you, know, you want to go and get the ice cream?" Yeah. <laughs> That's a good impression, actually. <laughs> Tell you what, you eat the ice cream right to the top. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just sitting there going like, who can I elbow drop right now? I need something. <laughs> I need something to jump on and somebody to elbow drop right now, and not get arrested for elbow dropping the guy. That's awesome. <laughs> just jump um, off a bed or something. Snap into a slim gym. Oh yeah. yeah, you know. 
<laughs> That's great. What, what yeah, I was um, I was a fan up until um, I think the beginning of the end for me was when the Undertaker came into it, and I was kind of just getting out of it at that point. Yeah. But the reason it appealed to me in the '80s, though, I, it reminded me. And I don't know if this is the same for you. Uh, wrestling reminds me of comic books. Oh, it very much is. Doesn't it? Like the colorful characters you have, and they have these storylines that build up, and then they they settle their differences in the ring. It's almost yeah. like a comic book if you think about it, <laughs> you know. And I think that's why it appealed to me so much when I was a kid, you know. Yep. That's and like, I think that's why it still appeals to people now. You know what I mean? You know, it's just like un subconsciously people crave those kind of stories, you know, like two yeah. Titans come in and they butt heads, you know, and it's good versus evil, classic yeah. stories, you know. I so. remember hating, hating, as much as a kid can hate, hating the uh, Honky Tonk Man. Because he'd come in oh, yeah. people with yeah. cars and all that. that. Yeah. And then one he was day, a good guy, and then he was a bad guy, yeah. and, and you know, he, he flipped so much. And, and then it was, he came out there one day, and he was at a pay-per-view, and I remember, I think my cousin paid like 50 bucks for it, I think. And so we're all over at the house, and like, you know, he's talking about he's the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Nobody can touch him. He's beating everybody. And all of a sudden, this music comes up. <laughs> and Ultimate Warrior runs out. I don't know who Ultimate Warrior is. But I'm like, he's got the face paint on. He's got streamers. Yeah, I love that. He ran <laughs> to the ring. And I'm going, I don't know what's happening, but I feel hyped. I don't know why. <laughs> it's awesome, though. And, like, he beat him in less than a minute. Like, he went in through, like, they, he ran in the ring. They had a ref there. They started the match. He throws him into the ropes. One time, hits him with the big boot, comes back off the thing, shakes the ropes. And picks him up for the gorilla press, throws him down, pins him, game over. Yeah. Like, they, knew awesome. to, they knew how to get people going. I think that's, you know, that was the genius of Jim, um, Ed, uh, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like he just knew how to get those stories going and get people going and rev up an audience, you know? It's yeah. Like, yeah. You know, God bless him. I, you know, it's like, yeah. I, I just, you know, I kind of just lost touch with it, though. And, you know, every once in a while, if I see it on TV, I'll watch it for a few minutes. I still, you know, like I kind of graduated more to like UFC and things like that. But um, I, uh, you know, I still, I, I guess it's something about two guys getting in a ring and settling their differences, you know? If you're in the UFC, you know, for a period of time last, was it last year or year before last? Last year, I think it was coming into WrestleMania last year. So it would have been WrestleMania that would have aired 2019. Okay. But it was Charlotte Flair, who was Ric Flair's daughter, versus okay. Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. Oh, well, yeah, I heard she went over to and, WWE. And the, oh, is she over there? Yeah, she was there for about a year. And uh, then she's out now. Her and her husband are trying to have a baby and stuff. So they're just doing the family. Oh, okay, so she kind of hung up the whole like well, eating stuff. She, she keeps saying that she's, you know, the door's <laughs> wide open for her to come back whenever she wants to come back. And so, I mean, if she doesn't, you know, get pregnant at a point in time, she may come back. I don't know. 
you know. But, yeah, I know she tried to give the acting thing a go, but she's not a good actress, so I imagine that's why that kind of dried up for her, you know. Yeah, but she's got a <laughs> big enough name value. If she wants to get cast in a movie, they're going to cast her. Yeah, she's good, like, if, like a henchman or something, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I think back to the that one of the Fast and the Furious movies where she and Michelle yeah, yep. fighting, and she's just like, "It's good that you're here." She's yeah, like, right. Oh. Just no like, yeah. There's just nothing there, like emotion or anything. Because, <laughs> because I was bored up to this point, or whatever. I was like, "Really? That's the yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> It's like channel some of that uh, that excitement you used to have in the UFC. You know, I I don't know. Imagine you're in a UFC ring and that's uh, Holly Holmes walking across from you right now. Imagine that. Now put that yeah, in. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, 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 I like all that stuff. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been a really good time. I greatly yeah, appreciate man. talking with you. Listen, uh, let's tell the people where they can get in on the Indiegogo and stuff. Tell them about what they get, all that fun stuff. How many days have they got? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me so, up. Yeah, so I don't know the exact link, but if you go on Indiegogo and just search Mighty Mascots, it should come right up. Um, we're funding the issues four, five, and six, um, but you can also get the early issues, one, two, and three, or you can get them as a 100-page giant. Yep. So essentially, you could get all, all six issues right from the Kickstarter. Um, there's a lot of good... Um, Good little, if you're a collector, we have a lot of good exclusives in the campaign. We're actually going to have a cereal box oh, that you can get. Um, it's going to have all kinds of like Easter eggs on it and, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, and there's also some exclusive, we have six exclusive covers that are only going to be available during the campaign. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. One of them is um, by Chris Giarusso. We used to do mini Marvels for Marvel comics. I think I saw that one in one of the. Yeah, it's very. He always draws the characters very cute. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of um, reminds me of Schultz actually, Charles Schultz. You know, um, so he's doing a cover for us. We put it on the Indiegogo. You can see it there. And I think you can only get it in one of the perks. You know, we did all kinds of fun things like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's doing well though. The campaign. We already hit our goal. We have about a week left. Okay. And, um, you know, now it's like all about hitting stretch goals. So we just unlocked a free bookmark for everybody, some free pins for everybody. So if you back, even at the lowest level, I think you get all this bonus stuff now. So, but basically if you like superhero comics, the feeling I want you to get when you read it is to feel like you're 10 years old in front of your TV watching Saturday morning cartoons with a sugary bowl of cereal. That's the feeling my comic should give you when you, when you read it. There you it's go. supposed to remind you of youth and just be a fun superhero book. Awesome. So if you like that, no political BS in it, you know, just fun superhero stuff, you know? So if that sounds like something you'd like, definitely consider backing us, you know? Okay. Right. And um, if I'm always, um, if you, I'm always chatty on Twitter, so if anyone wants to follow me, uh, I love talking with people there. And um, yeah, that whistling is my bird. Sorry, I don't know if that's okay. coming over on the speaker. <laughs> but um, and um, you can everyone can. I have a website for my company. It's called RecklessSidekick.com. Okay. All my links are there for my, you know, YouTube, my, 
my Facebook, my Twitter, my Instagram, it's all there. So if anyone, you know, wants to follow me, all that fun stuff's out there too. Okay. So uh, you just answered my next question, which is going to be, where can we find you in the land of social media? Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so Keith, listen, thank you so much for coming on this uh, show with me. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, we will really? definitely, uh, definitely continue to speak with you more as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, so stay on just a little bit after I got something to show you after that. Just stay on. Just sure, sure. Bit. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, not a problem at all, Keith. Thank you for coming and talking to me as well as the people in the conversation. So, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Girls, thank you so much for joining us. Go hit up Keith. Uh, if you're interested in the book, go check out the Indiegogo while it's out there. Uh, are you going to be doing anything after, you know, how some people will set it up to where after a certain point, people can still get in on it or is it just not? I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I think I looked into it. I think it's going to go uh, what they call in demand. So it should be available still after the campaign closes. Okay. So, sure. yeah, so that's very nice. So if you don't have the money now, because it's going to close in a week. So yeah. if you, if you want to buy in in like a month or so, it should still be open. Okay. You know, and I plan on leaving it open as long as I possibly can, you know, mm -hmm. so. Definitely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for checking in on the conversation with me and Keith. I greatly appreciate it. Like I said, hit him up on his social medias. Let him know how you feel. Let him know you heard about him here. And uh, like I said, if you're interested in the book, uh, The Mighty Mascots, which I can tell you from reading the first two, two books, and yeah, I'm a little biased, uh, but I love where he's going with it. So I hope you will check it out too. Uh, you know, it's kind of like you know, you, you, old school cereal, bowl, cereal packages. You know, sometimes it's it's not the Cocoa Puffs, but it's the Cocoa Crisp. If you like Cocoa Puffs, you'll love this. <laughs> if you like peanuts and stuff like that, you're going to love Mighty Mascots. Awesome. So there you go. So thank you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is another episode of Conversations About Dot, 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 and Books. And above all else, do me a favor. Be blessed to be a blessing to somebody, guys. Take care. <laughs>